Today's episode is sponsored by an upcoming movie called If. We don't go to the theater a lot as a family, mostly because it's tough to find a movie we're all going to like, but If is one of those movies. It comes out in theaters May 17th. I saw the trailer the other day, and we ended up watching the trailer multiple times to check out all the different imaginary friends that are in it. Some of them are what you would think an imaginary friend would be like, a nice-looking monster kind of. But other ones are so random, like this one that's a knight and one's a dragon and one is just a banana. And it gets wilder too, but I'm not going to spoil it all for you. The movie is about this girl who can see imaginary friends. And she goes on this magical adventure to reconnect forgotten imaginary friends with their kids. I know me and my kids are going to enjoy going to the theater for this one. And the cast has tons of our favorite performers like Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph, Matt Damon, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt. John Krasinski wrote the movie inspired by his own kid's imagination to be funny and exciting for all ages. It looks like a real slam dunk. The movie If releases in theaters May 17th and we are totally going, so check it out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Kids Stories Podcast. I'm Phil Bechtel. Before we get started today, I want to address some questions from two listeners named Ario and Delsa from Los Gatos, California. Now, Ario and Delsa want to know, how did the heroes get back to Valleytown at the end of the Never Trust a Pirate series since they had a four-day journey ahead of them? That's a good question, and I imagine that Hako and his super-fast boat got them back to the valley safely and quickly. Nothing really exciting or funny would have happened on that journey, so I didn't make it an episode. Also, they want to know, were there any other pirates from a different island that heard about them and was after them? Or were there other pirates after them once the heroes beat the big ship looking to take their treasures, including the stone? Well, some of the answer to this question is in an upcoming episode, and I don't want to spoil anything, but I can mention that because Hako's ship was so fast and he was such an excellent navigator that the heroes were able to avoid all the other pirates who might have been out to get them on the high seas. Thank you so much for those questions, Ario and Delsa, and thanks for listening. Today, we get to hear Bizzards in the Valley Part 3, in which the young bizzards are making their way to the rock fields on an extremely dangerous mission. The boys continued their journey off of the road. They would probably be fine on the road, but with all the ruckus from the night before, they wanted to stay out of sight. So they hiked through the trees next to the road. It slowed them down a bit, but they felt better being out of sight. If they traveled all through the day, they would be able to reach Valleytown by nightfall. Then they could camp outside of town and plan their infiltration of the rock fields. At nearly midday, the boys stopped for a bite to eat. They got out some food and sat on some rocks. Soon they heard sword clangs and the unmistakable whoosh of magic blasts. They quickly gathered up their lunch and bags and crept through the trees, following the sounds they heard. Soon they arrived at a hill overlooking the Clown Dojo. They had never seen the Clown Dojo before, and had never even seen a clown ninja. They thought the idea was ridiculous, but the clown ninjas did have the reputation of being effective and very dangerous. 
From atop the small hill, Isaiah squinted his eyes as he tried to keep his head down. Then he noticed who the clown ninjas were fighting. They all had red cloaks. They all had magic staffs. They were the Red Cloak Wizard Tribe. Do you see that? Isaiah asked Kaleo. What are the Red Cloaks doing here? I don't know. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I say we go down and help those ninjas, said Kaleo. Normally, a bizzard would not help a ninja. But if there's anything a bizzard dislikes more than a ninja, it's a member of the Red Cloak Wizard Tribe. The Red Cloaks had been setting up their camps all throughout the southern swamps for years and fighting with the Bizzards. The boys knew that they should square up against the Cloaks any chance they got. I thought we were trying to be undercover, said Kavi. Shouldn't we just walk away? The boys were conflicted. They actually saved a village from bandits the night before, and now they were thinking about helping some ninjas? Listen, guys said Isaiah. We're bizzards, and bizzards hate red cloaks. So we hate red cloaks. Now let's go get them. Sometimes it felt good to see things in black and white, to always know what you were going to do in a situation. The boys hid their bags in a tree nearby, took their weapons out, and charged into battle. At first, no one knew whose side the boys were on. They didn't look like bizzards, since they were still using their disguise magic. Just three random dudes running into a rough red cloak clown ninja fight. But they made it clear right away whose side they were on. Isaiah charged right at a group of red cloaks and threw himself into combat. He swung his fighting sticks frantically, trying to knock the magical staffs from the hands of the tribe members. He bit off more than he could chew, though, trying to go after three at a time. Isaiah got knocked down and a large red cloak stood over him with his club raised above his head, ready to strike. Isaiah went to cover his face, but out of nowhere, a pie zipped through the air and blasted this red cloak in the face. Whipped cream went everywhere, and it gave Isaiah the precious seconds he needed to roll out of the way and avoid a club to the face. Kaleo and Kavi teamed up against one of the red cloak leaders. His name was something like Uppercut, But the Bizzards always called him Thunderbutt as a joke. He hated it. Down in the southern swamps, their Bizzard friends would tell stories about getting him all riled up in battle, calling him that name. Kavi distracted the leader by throwing his fighting sticks at him and then rushing him. Kaleo came in from the side and slide-tackled him to the ground. Kavi yelled, Take that, Thunderbutt! And then Thunderbutt, er, I mean, uppercut, He gets up and charges the boys in a furious rage. Luckily, the tides were turning against the Red Cloaks, and a group of clown ninjas tackled him before he had a chance to reach Kavi and Kaleo. The fighting continued, and eventually all the Red Cloaks were all knocked out. The fighting ground grew strangely silent. The clown ninjas, surprisingly, were not usually very talkative. Um, well, said Isaiah... I guess we should go. He gave Kaleo and Kavi the let's get out of here before they start asking questions look. The boys began walking away, back up the hill from where they came, wondering if they were going to be able to just take off without the clown ninjas asking them any questions. You can't just run off, said one of the ninjas. 
who had somehow appeared directly in front of them. Like, instantly. These clown ninjas were pretty good. Um, well, we were just passing by, is all, and, uh, began Kaleo. Stay for tea, said the ninja, and a gift. Isaiah, Kaleo, and Kavi were not excited about going into this clown dojo, but they knew that running off would only make them seem more suspicious, so they reluctantly accepted. Well, thanks, I guess, said Isaiah. We, we really can't stay long, though. We need to be getting on our way. The clown ninja smiled and led them back to the dojo area and inside their main meeting hall. Inside, the clown ninjas, most of them with painted faces and big brightly colored and poofy hair, were cleaning their weapons and their gear. Some of them looked up at the boys and smiled. A few honked their noses at them. Mostly, though, they just kept to themselves. There was a large platter of tea laid out on an otherwise empty desk in the middle of the room. The boys each took a cup and began sipping. It was delicious. Back at the Bizzard camp, all the tea was made from roots, and none of it was tasty. Even the water was usually dirty. But this tea was amazing. It was clear and bright and just delicious. Before they knew it, they had each drained their cups. My name's Bouncy. Thanks for your help out there today, boys, said an older clown ninja who approached to get some tea. What made you want to charge in like that against those red cloaks? Well, um, Kaleo kind of stumbled over his words. I, I guess it uh, just looked exciting. I, I hope we didn't get in your way or anything. Of course not. You clearly know how to fight. Where'd you learn all those moves? Asked Bouncy. Oh, well, uh, here and there, I guess, said Kaleo. Okay, then, said Bouncy, who was sensing that they didn't really want to talk. Before you go, we want to offer you three a gift to say thanks for helping us out with those red cloaks. Another clown ninja came over with a square wooden box. Go ahead, said Bouncy. Open it. Most of the ninjas were gathered around now to watch them open the gift. Isaiah reached out and lifted the lid. Inside the box, resting on a satin cloth, was a shining golden pie plate. These are the most amazing pie plates in the entire valley. Truly magical, said Bouncy. They fly true and splat whatever you're aiming at. Take it with you. And good luck in all your adventures. Well, I'm not much of a pie maker myself, but uh, we'll give it a shot, said Isaiah. You don't need to make the pie, said Bouncy. It'll just appear in there whenever you need it. Truly magical, like I said. Isaiah reached out and took the pie plate slowly from the box. He and the boys were unsure of this entire situation. They didn't know what to think. Back in the southern swamps, they didn't celebrate birthdays, there was no Christmas, and the boys would never have been given a gift for anything they did. Each of the three boys was again conflicted as they left the clown dojo. Do they give gifts for everything here in the valley? asked Kavi. I guess, said Kaleo, who was wondering the same thing. Do you think we'll get anything for bringing back the stone? asked Kavi. Uh, 
Isaiah and Kaleo didn't answer. They all knew that bringing back the Oracle Stone to the Bizzard camp and completing this near-impossible mission wouldn't really help them. They wouldn't get any gifts. They wouldn't feel good about doing it. And they would eventually be forgotten, ending up in the same mud huts they were in now. Maybe we could go around and do more good things before we head to get the stone, said Kabi. You know, like, uh, like get some more gifts for doing good things. What about your idea to take over the valley with the oracle stone, asked Isaiah. Couldn't King Kavi just demand that people bring him gifts? Well, said Kaleo before Kavi could answer, maybe being nice is just easier than being king. And no one really talked much after that. They hiked north, just off the road, so as not to be seen, thinking about their mission, thinking about their future. The end. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And before I sign off today, I want to share a message with our grown-up listeners. This is not a sponsored message, just something to think about. January is National Mentors Month, and it's a great time to explore opportunities in your area to mentor a young person. Mentoring.org is a national website where people can go to find local mentoring programs in their area. I want to encourage you to consider becoming a mentor. All it takes is time, and it can have a very positive effect on a child where you live. As always, if you would like a shout-out in a future episode or if you have any questions or ideas about the stories, just send an email to kidstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Adios.